thankful to be uh, with y'all this uh, this afternoon. Also thankful for whoever put this clock up here. Um, good gentle reminder of uh, where my time is at. Um, our passage of scripture uh, this afternoon that we're going to be looking at is going to be Romans chapter two. Uh, Romans chapter two. If you were with us last time, you'll remember that we looked at the end of chapter one uh, the last time uh, we were together. And uh, now we're going to be taking a look at Romans chapter two. And we're going to be looking at the whole um, the whole chapter. But rather than reading the whole chapter, we're going to start in verse 17 and read through verse 23 as our passage. Uh, and then we'll kind of hit some points as we're as we're going along here. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thy, thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest, a man should not steal, dost thou steal. Thou that sayest, a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery. Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege. Thou that makest thy, makest thy boast of the law, through the breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God." So, again, if you'll recall, at the end of chapter 1, uh, Paul lays out how the wrath of God is being revealed against the un those that practice the truth and unrighteousness. So the, uh, we had a, a long list of, of sins there and um, homosexuality and, and the long list from verses 29 uh, through 32 in the end of the chapter. But I want you to notice in chapter 2... Um, and if you remember chapter 1, you can kind of glance over in your Bibles. Um, the phrasing changes when we get moved from chapter 1 to chapter 2. Uh, in chapter 1, it says, they practice them. Um, and in chapter 2, it starts off with therefore, which is immediately that's drawing us back to um, the end of chapter 1. So it's almost like saying with that being said. Um, and... Then it, the, uh, the phrasing, it changes and it goes, thou art inexcusable. So it's, it's more of a, uh, Paul is now pointing, uh, it's no longer an abstract of they out there. It's a, we need to consider our own hearts here. Um, so there are two uh, groups of people addressed here. We have the, uh, uh, and the title of our message is going to be a warning to the hypocrites and the moralists. Um, and the way that this is split up is the first section we're going to is uh, is talking to the moralist. Um, and one thing that they both have in common, a hypocrite and a moralist, is they're both resting in um, something that they are doing, something in, in their own performance. Whether that uh, whether that is in the moralist case, uh, as we'll kind of get into here in a minute, um, just the fact of, well, I'm not that bad as a person. Um, and the hypocrite, it's their spiritual performance. It's they're close to the truth, but yet they don't have the truth. Um, but one of the things I wanted to get into or uh, uh, to 
uh, passage I wanted to turn to before we get too far into this, and this is going to frame our thinking for um, for this passage, is in Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter four, and we're going to read the first four, uh, first five verses of Genesis chapter four. And Adam knew his uh, knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought a firstling of his flock, and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So as I was uh, meditating on this uh, on this passage in Romans chapter two, um, this uh, this story of Cain and Abel uh, kind of came to my mind. And uh, if you look at the at the story uh, and thinking about in the New Testament, our works and our you know the product of our hand is called fruit. So Cain is bringing forth and resting in fruit before the Lord. Um, whereas Abel being uh, is accepted bringing forth the lamb. Um, and that's a beautiful illustration of what we're going to be looking at here is, and uh, the question I want us to, uh, to think about is, what are we resting in? Um, are we resting in the fruit of our own labors, things that we can produce, or are we resting solely in the Lamb? Um, so that's uh, that's what I want to keep in, our, in the back of our mind as we're looking at all of this, just the thought of what are we resting in? So first off, in the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 2, um, again, that is going to be describing the, uh, the moralist person. And uh, the moralist, again, their their attitude is going to be that of I'm not that bad a person. I will be accepted before God because I'm not that bad. And their measuring stick is not um, is not the law of God. It's not it's not uh, His word and, and the measuring stick that we should have. But their measuring stick, as it says here in the in the first two verses, is other people. So they're judging themselves on this measuring stick against these these people in, in uh, chapter one. That are obviously not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but these people are looking, or the moralist looks at that and says, "Well, I'm okay because I'm not that bad. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a, uh, a homosexual. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in jail for murdering. And of course, all of those things are are good things. You shouldn't be a murderer. <laughs> uh, but if you are resting in that fact, if you're resting in the fact that well, I'm not, I'm not as bad as X, Y, and Z. We can always find somebody that, you know, in our own mind and we can make this, um, make ourselves feel better, salve our conscience, um, by creating this, this false idea that, well, my measuring stick is to be, you know, not as bad as this person. Um, it's like the, the story of the man getting chased by, uh, by a bear and, uh, the, his buddy says, well, you're never going to outrun the bear. He said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. 
that's that's the idea that they have is it's it's not a a measuring stick of against uh, against God's righteousness. It is well, I'm not as bad as this guy, and as long as I can pass that standard, if I can be just better than him, I'm okay because um, I'm not that bad a person. But Paul um, here is saying. We know that the judgment of God against those people are right. Uh, he says that in, in verse two. We would we would not agree or disagree with that. That the you know no one should be a murderer. We would widely look at that and say that's that is correct. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be the case. The law, our taking of human life is wrong. Um, but in verse three, he brings it around and says, "And thinkest thou this, O man, that thou that judgest them." Uh, which do such things and doest the same. So in reality, when we're doing the, when we're measuring ourselves up against these, um, you know, against other people, all we're doing is we're fooling ourselves and saving a conscience of where we, where we fall short. And if we're doing the same things, um, or perhaps the thing that they're doing is just simply not our flavor, uh, of sin that we prefer, and we can create in our in our minds. Well, I'm not that bad because I don't struggle with that. And Paul says, "No, that's wrong. Um, that would be the same as if um, Lewis or brother Lewis was eating, you know, two oatmeal cookies." And I I said, "Well, he sure doesn't care about his figure. Because, you know, he's going straight to his hips." And at the same time, I'm holding three chocolate chip cookies. Was it any different? No, they're both cookies. It's just a different flavor. I can take no comfort in the fact that he's eating those cookies and I'm eating these. And that's, I know that's a silly example, but that's how foolish it is for us to compare and say, well, that's not, you know, I don't struggle with that. Um, so therefore, I'm okay or on a higher or will be accepted before God because I don't struggle with this particular sin that I think that me and my own more or uh, my own moral code that I've set up here, you know, I'm okay. Um, and that's really what a moralist does is they, they have a, uh, um, you know, they can look like a pretty put together person. You know, if we were looking at someone from, uh, from chapter one and a moralist side by side, we'd say, well, we want the moralist as our neighbor. Um, we'd be much, we feel much better about going out of town. Nothing's going to go missing. Um, you know, we'd feel much more comfortable being around the moralist person. But that's not the point. It's the point of um, our standing before God. It's not a, a human judgment standard. Um, and Paul says that in, uh, in verses 14 and 15 of what they're doing. Um, it says in verse 14, And when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, or a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. So that's exactly what they're doing, is they're, they know we all uh, have the law of God written in our hearts. That's why we have a conscience. So we, we know right and wrong. But what is... a uh, what the moralist is doing is they're ignoring that and they're making excuses for their sin while else accusing others. Um, and Paul is saying that that standard is not going to fly before God. 
God does not care of your, um, you know, your moral standing. It also says in, uh, in verse 11, there's no respecter of persons with God. So God, unlike us, he's not looking at how much money you have, how well you dress, how you present yourself, because that's really what what a lot of our uh, uh, a lot of what we do, isn't it? We we present the pretty picture that we want everybody to see while we hide behind the curtain um, more like the Wizard of Oz, we hide behind the curtain those things that we don't want anybody to know about, the things that we would be ashamed that anybody knew about. Um, and Paul does say in this, uh, in this passage, in verse 16, that God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So not only the things that, that are being done openly, because the moralists will do, you know, what they're doing is they're sinning both openly but it's a you know it's either the same or different. But they're trying craftily to hide it. But Paul says that even even if you do a, a better job of hiding it, you still will not be excused because we're going to be looking at God is going to be looking at the heart on that day. So even if you've done a good job concealing, you've done a you know you've been airtight in your alibi. Paul st- Paul says you're still guilty because we're still looking. It's it's not a matter of what you see, of what is seen. It's a matter of what's in your heart and what you're arresting in. And the moralist is resting in the fact that I'm not that bad. And Paul is saying here, no, you're just as guilty as the ones in chapter one. You just have fooled yourself into believing that you are okay, that you're accepted because you do, a, you know, you don't fall for this flavor of sin when you when you openly do this other. Um, and you know that's uh, that's basically what they're doing is they're putting a grading system on sin, and we all do this. We all have our uh, our internal grading system, if you will. If we ignore the law of God, we have you know mine may be well. I'm never going to lie. That's you know that's one of my one of my staunch stances. I'm never going to lie. Others may be well. I'm never going to. Uh, I'm never going to look at anything and, l- and lust after anything. That's that's my that's my staunch stance. But then, if with all of our stances, if you if you notice, or if we're honest with ourselves, we're less strict on on other areas. So it it's not it's not perfect. It's not the perfect law of God. And if we're resting in that, if we're resting in our own moral code or this moral, um, you know this rule of ethics that we have put on our own life. Paul says you you will still be guilty before God with this. You cannot rest in this idea that you are a better person. Um, To back that up, turn with me to uh, Isaiah 64. This is a well-known passage. um, Isaiah 64. And reading in verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us all, taken us away. Of course, that's a, a well-known passage of Scripture. That's not going to be the first time any of y'all have, have heard that. Um, 
But I thought about it as a as we as I've been studying through this uh, this passage, and one of the things that uh, I realized is I've I've always thought of a filthy rag wrongly. Um, in my mind, whenever I read that in the past, I would think of a dirty shop towel. You know, it's dirty. But friends, we must have a right idea of what filthy rags really means. Um, those of you that have, have kids or have had kids, you're familiar with the uh, with the phenomenon uh, known as a blowout diaper. Um, it's not pleasant. If you haven't, um, talk to my wife. She'll describe it in detail for you. Um, but uh, but when you you know you open up the diaper and you have no idea where to start. It's it's horrifying. And you grab the wet rag and you just, you start somewhere. Well, at the end, when you finally have everything cleaned up, that wet, wet rag is filthy. It, it hurts to look at. It stinks. And you immediately, if you're anything like me, you close that diaper up so you don't ever have to look at it and you run straight to the trash and you wash yourself to your elbows, trying to get it off of you. That is our righteousness to God. It's like that filthy wet rag that you don't even want to look at. You don't. You want to leave the room where it is because it stinks. Because it's, it's making you gag to even think about it. And that is what our righteousness is. That is your own goodness of, well, I'm not that bad. Wrong. Wrong. You are that filthy wet rag in that state. <clears throat> so, um, and another, uh, Paul also says, and I know we're skipping around, so try to, try to stay with me here. Um, but Paul also says in, uh, let's see here, in verse four, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now, Paul is not talking about true biblical repentance here, but he is talking about the hand of restraint that keeps us from what we are fully capable of. Um, because we are truly, um, we are capable of becoming those that we read about in chapter one. And we're all two or three steps away without the restraining hand of God, of being in that state. Um, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, you look at, at uh, you know, some of these, uh, you know, sad situations of a man that uh, ends up with a DUI and, and, you know, has killed a family and he's put in prison. He's ruined his whole life. Well, that he's not always, or in most cases, they hadn't always been there, especially if you knew the person. But it's two or three steps, and you would be surprised how fast it happens um, without the restraining hand of God. And the moralist doesn't even realize that. They, they completely leave out, and they think it's of them that, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. And Paul says, no, even the fact that you are not, that, not as bad as maybe some of these other people, you are despising the goodness and the, and the riches of God's grace that has kept you from it. Because you are fully capable of doing those exact same things if I let you go. And that, uh, again, it is a filth, our, our own goodness. If that's what we're resting in, if that's what we're really trusting in and presenting before God, 
just like Cain presenting that fruit, it will be rejected um, as the filthy rags that it is. It will not be accepted. Only the lamb will be accepted before God. Um, so that's the uh, the moralist. Now we also see the uh, the hypocrite. Um, and for those taking notes, if you want to go back and look at this later, uh, the moralist is is uh, the way this chapter is kind of split is one through sixteen, uh, and then the hypocrite picks up in verse seventeen uh, through twenty nine. Now the hypocrite takes a little bit different uh, different approach to this. Um, and they're closer to the truth because they know the truth. They know God's word. And what they're resting in is not the fact that they're morally or, you know, a, their own moral code like the moralist, which we would all, you know, all of us in here would say that's, you know, foolishness, you know, resting in a moral code. But this is hitting a little bit closer to home that the hypocrite is resting in the fact that. They know the truth and they're on a higher plane of enlightenment than everyone else. That they are quick to point out where other people have gone wrong and how they should be taking things more seriously. Um, and yet Paul says, you, uh, you're teaching others um, and yet you're not teaching yourself because you're doing the exact same things. Um, whether, again, that be openly or in private, you're doing the exact same things. And you're resting in the fact that you know that you know the truth and that you can that you can hit the bullet points to make somebody feel bad and rotten. But you're not practicing it. You're not putting that into it's not affecting your life. Um, and you can even kind of get a sense of that. Uh, in verse 19, it says, and uh, art confident that thou thyself art a guide to the blind, a light to them that are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of babes. So again, you get that, that mindset of I'm up here and everyone else are the blind and the babes that need that are lucky to have me around to point them in the way that they should go. And. While, yes, Scripture is given for correction and for proof and righteousness, all of those things are, are right things that you know, us as Christians, we should be doing. But what uh, the hypocrite does is they, they use that to bludgeon other people over the head to salve their conscience. And yet if you take a, a look into their life, it looks the same as the moralists. It's the same. But what they're doing is they're resting in their in their knowledge um, rather than resting in the Lamb of God. They're resting in the, in the knowledge of good and evil and the fact that they can hit the bullet points, the, the points on a, uh, on a flashcard to, make, uh, to point out other people's sin and other people's wrongdoing. But yet when it flips around to them, they'll have nothing to do with it. It's like Christ when He said, um, Though that's, you, know, you that's going to pick the speck out of someone's eye, Take a look at the two by four that's hanging out of your own. And that is that is what they're what they're ultimately doing is they're they have a form of knowledge, so they don't really even have the whole truth. Um, you know, have you ever talked to anybody that that has a, uh, you know, is really I can remember uh, one person just in particular that he was really, really good at 
the points of cre- of creation versus evolution. He could, man, if, if someone came across him that believed in evolution, he could, you know, beat them over the head for an hour and not even break a sweat, make them feel silly. But his he was this shallow. The rest of his life, bear, you know, looked nothing like a Christian. But he had he was resting in the fact of I know these few points, and I can make someone that believes what I believe not to be the truth, I can make them look ridiculous. And that's what he was doing. So, um, again, they're, they're quick to teach others, yet they're not teaching themselves. They're not looking honestly in the mirror and seeing where the Word of God can apply to their life, where they can grow. It's when they read a passage of Scripture, they immediately think of someone else. Well, I know who needs to hear that. Thou shalt not steal. I know who needs to hear that. Rather than, have I, you know, have I obeyed this? And the, again, they're resting in this in this idea. Um, and Paul says, uh, you know, condemns them for it. And he says here in uh, um, in verse twenty four that the name of God is being blasphemed because of them. The name of God is being smeared by the unbelievers because these people are so quick to, to tell other people what they should be doing. And yet, when the unbelievers look at, the, at this individual's life, they see the exact same thing they told them not to do. And the name of God is being blasphemed because of because of this act, this action, because of what they are doing, and that's a that's a stern rebuke, isn't it? That um, we are, like Brother Lewis said this morning, we are the the uh, what you can see of the law of God here on earth. That we should be the the example of what that looks like, uh, and the way we you know the way we live, but. Rather, these people are uh, the hypocrite is turning it toward other people and, you know, opening fire. And when you examine their life, the same thing that they're berating these other people for is the same thing they're doing. So a good uh, a good example of this, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of Luke. The book of Luke. Chapter 18. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14. So Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Starting in verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that are that they were righteous and despised others. Two men that went up, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, 
and smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And Christ is speaking to exactly what Paul is speaking to here. That you notice the two positions of these men. The publican is saying, um, or uh, the Pharisee rather, all of it is work based. What he is thanking God for. I thank you that I'm not as other men. I thank you I'm not you know, an adulterer. I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I thank you that I'm not even like that guy over there. But I fast twice in the week and I give tithes. It's all, he is resting purely on the fact of his spiritual zeal and performance. But he's missed the entire point that that we should look at and our it's it's the condition of our own souls without Jesus Christ because if you view as this as this uh, Pharisee does you you probably would be okay you know be okay without Christ wouldn't you you wouldn't really need him if you were that as good as you thought you were but we know that's not true that's not that's a fallacy that uh, when you're resting in yourself. You are deceiving yourself because you're, you know, you are outside of Christ, a sinful creature. Anything good you can do is as the filthy rags that we discussed earlier. Um, whereas the publican simply says, God be merciful, merciful. And Christ says, that man is justified. Not the one that tithes, not the one that, that uh, fasts twice in the week. I mean, that's a really committed guy. And Christ says, he is unaccepted. The publican is accepted. And the, the simple difference is the publican is resting on God and Christ alone for his righteousness. Outside of him, I know I'm guilty. I know where my, my position is, where, where I'm at in the pecking order. And the Pharisee, he's coming before God saying, God, you sure are lucky to have me. I don't know what you'd do without me. I fast, I tithe. You know, this, I don't know, you're just lucky to have a faithful servant like me. And when you say it like that, it sounds like foolishness. It's, it's silly. Um, and I think we've all talked about it before that we, uh, we fail to understand our own mortality that in two or in, you know, 150 years, the only person that will know Caleb Brown's name is the one that's weeding around my tombstone. Um, and that's not original original to me. I, I'm borrowing that. We've all heard that before. But it's but it's 100% true. We will have very little bearing on, on this, you know, on, uh, on this life here. We're not as important as we think we are. And that the, the idea that we can rest in our own righteousness and our own performance is silly. It is silly. Um, <clears throat> of course, we also know in uh, in Matthew chapter seven. Um, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but just the uh, the idea that you know there will be those on uh, on the day of judgment that were religious people that are rejected of God. Um, actually. Let's go ahead and turn there. Um, I know I said we're not going to. 
we're going to because I had a I've got another thought from there. <clears throat> Matthew chapter seven. And we're going to read in uh, in verse twenty one. Matthew seven, starting in verse twenty one. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in the day of judgment, Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And one of the things I wanted to point out from this passage is, again, None of this is going to be brand new, um, obscure passages of Scripture. So we've, you've all read these before. But look at look at what they're coming before God uh, saying here. They're saying, have we not done this? We did this too. And we did this. It's all based on what they did. It's all based on the fact of, we did many marvelous works for you. We, we helped the afflicted for you. And uh, God will say in that day, I never knew you. You did all of that for you, not for me. And they are presenting that before God, just like Cain. Uh, again, I told you we're going to keep on going back to that. Cain presenting that fruit and God saying that's not accepted. Whereas Abel bringing the lamb is accepted. And the righteous lamb, which is Jesus Christ, that is the only thing that will be accepted. Um I love, I think it's uh, Alistair Begg that says, uh, you know, the thief on the second cross, whenever he got to heaven, they said, well, were you baptized? What did you, you know, what did you do to get here? And the only thing he could say is the man on the middle cross said I could come. And that should be our position that outside of Christ, like we were saying in a um, show pity Lord this morning. And if my soul were sent to hell, thy righteous law approves it well. That. Outside of Jesus Christ, God is perfectly right and He is just to cast us into hell for all eternity. That is, that is our true position. No matter how many good deeds you do or your, how morally right your, your moral code is like the moralist, or no matter how much your religious zeal is like the hypocrite, no matter what those things are, if you are not resting in Jesus Christ, you will be unaccepted. And your what is fair and what is right is to be cast into hell. Whereas resting in Christ, like Abel resting in the Lamb, that is accepted, and God is completely right and just to bring you with Him into all eternity or for all eternity. He would be unjust and unright to cast you into hell in your position in Christ, because Christ paid it all. So. <clears throat> Um, there is no gray area. You're either resting in Christ or you're resting in your fruit. Um, one is going to be accepted. One is not. Um, so I'd ask a uh, question just uh, I, I want to leave us with is what, uh, what are you resting in? What am I resting in? Am I resting in my own goodness, my own innate moral code, the things that I've, I'm more uh, more staunchly against than others? Am I resting in my own religious zeal and performance? The fact that I'm, I go to church, I do, I do the things that I'm supposed to do because it usually works out better. 
Or am I doing that because I, I love Christ and because I know and I'm resting solely in Him, knowing that outside of Him, I am condemned and just to be so. That only in Him is there hope for me. Um, so may God help us as we uh, as we go forward that we would uh, would try intentionally, especially as we're going to this new year. You know, we're we're always looking at at uh, you know it's a it's a very goal oriented time. You know, this year I'm going to do better in X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do better at Bible reading, or I'm going to do better about exercise. These love handles will finally go away. Um, but let's this year let's focus on growing in our leaning on Jesus Christ as our righteousness, that we would truly um, lean fully on Him. Um, because that really permeates and affects everything. You know, how we interact with other people. You know, we uh, if we're resting in our own righteousness, our own moral code, how are we ever going to minister to someone that we see in sin uh, and then take us seriously. Well, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, and uh, whereas our position and our, uh, when we're resting solely in Christ and realizing that if, except for the grace of God, I am right in that same person's shoes, it completely changes your outlook on how you handle everything. Um, so may God bless us is, uh, is my prayer uh, that we would uh, grow in the leaning on uh, on Christ Jesus and that we would only be presenting the Lamb uh, as our righteousness before God. Uh, let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank You for Your uh, for Your Word. We thank You for um, the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, who, who is our righteousness, Father. Um, we thank You that, that He bore all of our sin on that cross um, and that we are righteous and accepted before you, not of anything that we uh, that we can do, um, but only because of your son. Um, we pray that you would uh, bless us now as we go forward from here. Um, help us to meditate on that and that it would be a sweet comfort and a reality to us. It's in Jesus name I pray. Amen.